Hello, and welcome to the Thoughts on Money podcast, what we like to call Tom. I'm Trevor Cummings, your host of the podcast and your author of the Tom blog. I'm here in Newport Beach, California, and recording this today on my, drum roll please, it's my birthday. Happy birthday to me. So on my birthday, I'm going to be talking about this article, Living La Vida Loca. Yes, we surely are living in crazy times. I started out this article with this idea, and I don't know why I get this this concept in my head, but I remember growing up as a kid, when I thought of people that were wealthy, I would say things like, man, that guy has saved so much money, now he just lives off the interest, right? That he would have this nest egg that was so large that uh, he or she would live off the dividends and interest, and their money made money, and they never had to work again. And I kind of always kept that with me, that that was... I don't know. I probably didn't know this as a child, but as an adult, I would say now that that was the definition of financial freedom, that you would have this corpus of money, that you'd have this nest egg that creates enough dividends and interest from your stocks and bonds that that was sufficient to cover all of your living expenses. Now, in the world of finance, knowing what I know, that seems nearly impossible these days because of where interest rates are. So I provided a lot of great charts in the article, and I would encourage you to go there. But let me just take you through some of the statistics. I I titled this section, How Low Can You Go? Because when we look at the 10-year treasury, which means if I lend the U.S. government money for 10 years, they're going to give me an interest payment that they're willing to pay me. And what is that interest payment as of February 11th? Well, it was 1.59%. That might not mean anything to you if I don't provide some sort of historical context. So let's look at historically. The high over the last 150 years was 15.32%. Yes, during the Carter administration, interest rates went crazy, inflation was crazy, and you could go out and lend the government money for 10 years and they'd pay you back 15%. That seems absolutely bonkers today. So that's an off-the-chart anomaly, but let's look over these 150 years, if we look at the mean average or the median, both of them were somewhere around 4%, 3.8 for the median and then 4.5% for the, the mean. We look at the all-time low at 1.5%, and today we're at one59 So we can basically say we're pretty near all-time lows when it comes to interest payments on government bonds. Now let's transition the conversation and say, hey, yeah, we'll own some bonds, but if we build a portfolio, we're going to own some stocks, right? So then we go to the dividend yield of something like the S&P 500. We take those same 150 years and we look, hey, dividends on average, traditionally we're paying like 4, 4.2%. You know what they pay today? The dividend on the S&P 500 as of February 11th, 1.73%. So yes, both the 10-year treasury and the S&P 500 pay a yield that is sub 2%. The traditional or classic uh, retirement portfolio is called the 60-40 portfolio. And what that means is that a retiree who knows that they can't accept all the volatility of the stock market would have a balanced portfolio or be 60% stocks and 40% bonds. So just for fun, what I did is I said, hey, what does a 60-40 portfolio pay in income today? And what was it paying in 1990? So let's go through the exercise. I'm a retiree. I have a million-dollar portfolio. I place it into that classic, traditional 60-40 retirement portfolio. I'm getting about $16,740 if I'm 60% stocks, 40% bonds. $16,740. In 1990, 
I was getting about $51,000 for a million dollar portfolio. That is a huge difference. So again, just to contextualize that, that's the difference between me getting $1,400 a month and getting $4,300 a month. What does that tell us? tells us that a lot of people cannot afford to just, quote unquote, live off the interest anymore. Okay, so I would ask myself, hey, if I'm not living off the income and we know that there's two parts to total return, we've talked about this before, right? It's income and appreciation. Can I live off the appreciation? Well, let's look at that same 60-40 portfolio. Over the last 20 years, the return on that 60-40 portfolio, the average return has been nearly 7%, to be exact, 6.63%. I'm going to tell you, okay, a million-dollar portfolio, I'm getting a 6.63% return um, on average. means I'm getting like $66,000 a year. That seems like that should suffice for covering all my expenses. Here's the problem. When we talk about average returns, markets typically never give you average. I just told you that over the last 20 years, a 60-40 portfolio has averaged 6.63% return. What I didn't tell you is in those 20 years, not one year, not one, did it actually have a return between 5 and 7%. When we talk about averages, what actually happens in the market, we get a handful of years that are much above average, we get a handful of years that are below average, and then when you mix that all together, that's where you get average. Okay, well, what's the problem? Well, in the world of investing, we have this concept for this risk that we don't understand what the sequence of returns will be. And aptly, it's called the sequence of returns risk. This can be difficult to explain over a podcast. So I'm going to do my best and just slow down and listen to me here. Here's what sequence of return risk is. If I start out retirement today, and let's just say, Over the next two or three years, markets are either negative or flat. I'm still going to have to withdraw from my portfolio. So I have this nest egg that is worth a little bit less now than when I started. And I have an expectation to withdraw, let's say, 5% from it. So when I withdraw 5%, I shrink that nest egg even a little bit more. Then the next year, let's say it's negative or flat. Then I have to take another withdrawal from that portfolio. So If I'm taking withdrawals, I'm forcing myself to sell my assets at kind of depressed values. And what I'm creating is a smaller nest egg that not only will have less potential to compound and grow, but it'll also be more burdensome for my fixed withdrawal to come from that smaller nest egg. Again, really hard concept to understand over a podcast. So I'm going to encourage you to go to the article and look at the two charts that I provided that explain the sequence of returns risk. And let me kind of tell you what these charts are. One of these charts is going to show you three different portfolios in the accumulation phase, like when I'm saving money. And I'm going to tell you if you always get the same average return while you're accumulating, it actually doesn't matter because you're not taking money out. You don't have withdrawals going against the portfolio. When you take that same scenario where you're getting different sequence of returns and you're taking that fixed withdrawal, what you'll find out mathematically, there's a probability that you actually run out of money. So we started off this article of saying, hey, let's get to a place where we just live off the interest. That's the exciting thing. That's the goal. That's financial freedom. But now I'm telling you, if you're not careful about how you build a portfolio, those random sequence of returns and those fixed withdrawals can actually cause you to run out of money. 
So that's pretty doom and gloom, and it would be uh, not so fun if I ended the conversation there. So let's end the conversation here. Let's think about what a solution is. Well, here at the Bonsa Group, we focus on building portfolios that are very income-centric. David Bonson wrote an entire book about this, uh, about this idea of growing dividends and how you could build a portfolio around a dividend growth philosophy. Not only that, that is the nucleus of how we build portfolios. And then we complement that strategy with other income-centric investments like real estate or oil and gas pipelines or private debt or a customized bond portfolio we might build for a client. So our goal is that we're marrying the financial plan to the investment portfolio that we build. And because the financial plan and the investment management are, are working in concert with one another, we're trying to create an income from the portfolio that is similar to incomes that we would have had in the past when bonds and dividend yields were more favorable. We want to create enough income where an investor can live off the interest. This does present a problem, and I, I want to identify that, is we spend a lot of time in the due diligence process and the research and in the construction of how these portfolios are most suitable for a client. And one of the number one things that we are always thinking about is risk management. Now, that is not obvious to the do-it-yourself investor or maybe somebody that doesn't have a background in finance. If you don't have a background in finance and you're kind of building this portfolio yourself, there is going to be a tendency to kind of what we call chase after yield and just look for different investments that have an above average income and build kind of a hodgepodge portfolio of these high-income investments. Here's the problem. There's an old adage, if it's too good to be true, it's probably too good to be true. That's typically what happens if you're chasing after high-yield investments. You'll find investments that might have income payouts that, are, that seem unbelievable, and maybe you'll get those income payouts for one quarter or two quarters and maybe three quarters, but usually those companies or the, that are either borrowing or you're an equity owner in, there's some distressed things happening behind the scenes, and that's why there's an elevated income. It's this relationship we've talked about in the past of kind of risk and reward. The bad thing is you'll find out sometimes that income gets stripped away really quickly, and before you know it, what you actually paid for your investment might be cut in half, and that income might not exist anymore. So risk management is so extremely important, and I can't tell you how many portfolios I've looked at that were striving after creating kind of this unreasonable, unsustainable income level and took on this risk that uh, somebody didn't even know that they were actually taking. And I said this in the article, and this is probably the saddest part about it. It's not only do-it-yourself investors. I've seen advisors make this mistake for clients as well. So you have to be really careful that you're looking not only for income where you can build that live-off-the-interest type portfolio, but you're also looking for income that is sustainable and that if you look at the company backing up that's paying you that income, whether you're a borrower as a bondholder or you're an equity owner as a, a stock investor, you need to make sure that that income is sustainable. So giving you that recap, hey, live in La Vida Loca, we are living in crazy times. Right, We have a 10-year treasury and a dividend yield that is sub-2%. And you don't have to be a mathematician. You could save a whole lot of money 
but to just live off of 2% of the portfolio is difficult, right? If, if historically we were used to living off of 4% of the portfolio and now we're trying to live off of 2%, that means we're going to have to have double the amount of savings. All that to say, I do think it's worthwhile to sit with your advisor or to reach out to the Bonson Group to learn more of, hey, could I create an income-centric portfolio where I match the income from my portfolio to my living expenses? And there's this, like I said, this marriage between a financial plan and an investment portfolio where those two things are working together in concert. That's my recommendation. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion. I'm sure that this piqued your interest in some sort of questions or comments, and you're welcome to reach out to me at tcummings at thebonsongroup.com. I would ask that you rate the podcast and leave comments. And most importantly, join us for next week for another conversation on Thoughts on Money. The Bonson Group is registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities. No investment process is free of risk, and there's no guarantee that the investment process or the investment opportunities referenced herein will be profitable. Past performance is not indicative of current or future performance, and it's not a guarantee. The investment opportunities referenced herein may not be suitable for all investors. All data and information referenced herein are from sources believed to be reliable. Any opinions, news, research, analyses, prices, or other information contained in this research is provided as general market commentary. It does not constitute investment advice. The team in Hightower shall not be in any way liable for claims and make no express or implied representations or warranties as the accuracy or completeness of the data and other information or for statements or errors contained in or omissions from the obtained data and information reference herein. The data and information are provided as of the date referenced. Such data and information are subject to change without notice. This document was created for informational purposes only. The opinions expressed are solely those of the team and do not represent those of Hightower Advisors, LLC, or any of its affiliates.